Welcome back, warriors. Quay Tanse Sego, Quay Nin Deluisi Pam Palmeter, and I am the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our languages, cultures, identities, and governments. It's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island. And defending our sovereignty isn't just about protecting our nations. It's also about protecting the lands, waters, plants, animals for everybody to enjoy. We share this planet with all living things and we have an obligation to protect these ecosystems. That means sometimes having to stand up in defense and protection of our territory from destruction by pipelines or contamination from pipeline spills. And today we have with us Reuben George, who is going to talk to us about his ongoing battle against the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Now, Reuben is from the Tsleil-Waututh Nation, and he has been a driving force behind his nation's revitalization of language, culture, spirituality, and law. He spent almost a decade working hard to stop the Kinder Morgan pipeline, and now the Trans Mountain pipeline. You often hear him as a spokesperson at press conferences related to the ongoing battle against the Trans Mountain pipeline, but he's not alone. He works alongside other First Nation leaders and activists, and he is here to tell us more about it. Welcome to the show, Ruben. Well, good morning here. I guess good afternoon over there. Um, it's really good to finally talk to you, meet you in here, and um, I, I admire your work too. So thank you for having me on. Well, thank you, because this is going to be a really important education session for all of our listeners, um, because we really have to keep this issue alive right now. And rightfully so, COVID has captured everyone's attention. We have to make sure to keep everyone safe. But it's important that people understand that other issues are continuing, much like, um, you know, pipelines and mining and forestry and things like that. So I'm wondering if you would like to introduce yourself in your own language or according to your customs, however you like to do it. ACM, Hoitka, CM, Hoitka, CM. Unfortunately, I don't speak my language, but it's coming back. Um, Tisliwati Nation, we used to be 15, 16,000 people. We went down to 13. And um, our, our, our specific dialect was, was one of the things that was lost, but there's dialects of our neighbors that are very similar that we're, um, we're bringing back. We're a small nation. We're about 500 people now. And um, our language is, is, is one of the things that they were, we're managing to focus on to revitalize. And my daughter's one of them. She, she's, she speaks almost fluent in our language. She took a year off from university and um, she actually went to university to learn our language. And She's, she's teaching me, so that's a really beautiful thing. Um, so, yeah, I just know a couple words in my language. Yeah, well, it's the same with me, too. I mean, all of us, we've been deeply impacted by colonization. It's not just an academic word we throw around. It's it's impacted us. But I'm, I'm really encouraged to hear about your daughter and other people, you know, revitalizing their language. So can you tell us a little bit about your role in the Tsleil-Waututh Nation, some of the things that you do? <clears throat> Yeah, I, I was formerly the director of community development, looking over the education and healing and health and all all, all, he, all those programs. And um, 
I went to a meeting and, and uh, it happened really quick with Rex Weiler, the founder of Greenpeace and Ben West and a bunch of others. Uh, they, they explained to my uncle and I um, what was going on with the, the tankers coming through our territory and a proposed idea to bring the Trans Mountain or no, the Kinder Morgan pipeline. And we're, and we're like, what? I said, okay, I'm going to, we better do something about this. So the next day I went and spoke at Vancouver city council and that opened up a big can of worms. And I tell you at that time, it was nobody knew about it, but what we, what we did know and what was out there was a $350 billion company that Canada supported Christy Clark at the time, British club premier BC supported it. Of course, Alberta wanted it. And, um, even family members were saying you can't beat it. You can't stop it. It's too much. And, so for about a year, I, I, I was convincing my community to to jump aboard, and and um, they they eventually did, and then chief and council they they did, and then w when that happened, as my cousin brother Justin George he 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 said, well if we negotiate or if we vote to negotiate, I'll resign as chief. That changed everything as well as having a referendum in our community, and um, you know we we heard we try to hear both sides fairly, and. Um, my mom stood up when it was time to vote, and she goes, we're not voting on nothing. So all you guys are going to take your butts out of your seat, and you're going to warrior up. That warrior up came from her, <laughs> and that was like nine years ago. And she said, we're going to warrior up, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stop this. So, you know, we, we were in a wealthy nation at that time, and we, we agreed that, you know, instead of taking hundreds of millions of dollars of what they're proposing, we, we, that what I heard they were talking about to other nations, we... We um we spend we said well we agreed to spend a little of, of resources we had in fighting it, and um, that was almost ten years ago. So my role. So what happened is after that vote happened, the CEO came in my office and she said we want to second you from um, being director to being manager of of stopping this pipeline. And I said okay, I get can I get back to you tomorrow? And she said well you, you got an hour to decide. <laughs> so I phoned my kids right away and I said what do you think and they at that time they're only 10 and 12 and they said well we could beat it let's do it and um so I, I, I called her and said okay let's do that. so now I'm the manager of Sacred Trust and I have been for nine years which is the wow. initiative to stop Trans Mountain and, and formerly Kinder Morgan that's incredible I mean that that's a really good story because you're talking about not just kids who want to stop the pipeline, people from our generation, but you know, the elders, your mom saying, hey, warrior up and let's stop this. And and I really appreciate how your nation uh, went about it and actually got, you know, people's opinions and input and had the courage, which is really hard for a lot of political leaders to say, I will resign as chief. I mean, that just puts a lot of weight behind all of the work that activists do when leaders step up behind them. And I think that's what's made your collective fight really unique in that sense. Um, so what what's kind of happened since that, like over the years? So we know that there was a trans pipeline, you know, for decades and decades, or a pipeline for decades and decades. And then they applied to expand the pipeline. Was that was that the issue? Yeah. And then that would increase the tinker traffic, and and um, so so we we started with educating the community. I remember the get this the first time we did a community hall, town hall meeting in Burnaby, which is right across from North Vancouver to Slowitu Nation. They're both suburbs of Vancouver. Um, only only about less than twenty people showed up. 
and and not long after though um it got to the point that we we did our own survey of burnaby residents and 71 percent of burnaby residents supported to stay with a nation and soon canada for not consulting probably properly so so we we hit the road and we went along the pipeline we we you know traveled across canada um explaining the 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 problems of, of what it creates and who it benefits and the destruction it has and you know going to the alberta tar sands and the highest concentration rate of cancer you know talking to the unions even the uniform um i remember back then was the biggest union in the alberta tar sands and they're crying for green energy products that would be sustainable that we see you know with the downfall of oil prices going going negative you know even even them what they they were asking for green energy jobs that were sustainable so we 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 talked to everybody and anybody that would listen and um and then we jumped right into um a couple of years later we created a 1200 page assessment like for example to live with nation means people the inlet people the water our first our first mother is the water around vancouver and um what does a mother do? It feeds you. So in this assessment, we explain that and break it down to a science that 80% of our traditional diet came from the water. That's our law. So so we, we created this 1,200-page assessment based on Tisleewetooth Nation law, which is essentially the law of our, our, our culture and our spirituality, our legends and our stories. And we had backup around that. We had um, started way before that maybe 30 years ago and almost now, um, um, some of our elders had the foresight, specifically my uncle Len, who, um, um, he, he, he did a, um, um, a GIS map um, survey of all members. I was young, I was a teenager, but they had me marked down where I heard of legends and stories, where I hunted and where I fished, where I gathered, where I heard of villages. And I marked down about 200 places. My un- uncle Bob, I don't know if you've been to Vancouver, but Robson Street's one of the most popular streets for shopping. But he marked down that that area as that that road is is being a, a deer hunting trail. Wow! So so he, we marked everything, and 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 back then too, we've been we started to measure the quality of our water, and um and so we this all this all came out in in, in the assessment and and um so the work started a long long time ago where. It, they just had the foresight to start to put together a war, war chest that, it, that for real is helping us right now. So we did the 1200 page assessment, you know, explaining the likeliness of a spill 87%. We, we, you know, within when a spill happens, we identified that a million people would get sick. We identified that 500,000 birds would die. You know, um, we, we did an economic study on top of that, explaining it wasn't good for the economics and didn't make sense. One of the biggest reasons is when when Kinder Morgan Canada came forward with with the the pipeline application and did their economic assessment, it was based on seventy dollars a barrel, seventy five dollars a barrel. As you know, before COVID hit, it was is fifty five dollars a barrel. Mm-hmm. They said it wouldn't make economic sense if 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 one under that, and and as we know, one negative. So the, their 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 um, assessments were were wrong. So after the economic study, we 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 also did a um, spill analysis, which I already explained. Eighty seven percent chance, not if, but when a spill happened. A clean analysis explaining we could only clean up 20, 20 to forty percent. Um, and we just finished an air quality study as well. All these things based on Tisleewetooth Nation Law. When I go back and I say, 
it, it's based on our love. And another thing that we've been doing is, is um, we get 500 referrals a year um, for developments that want to happen in our traditional territory. So wow. they, they need a Tisleewitis Nation permit to build. And we do our, our own environmental assessment, which is more strict than any municipal, federal, and provincial government. We, we do uh, um, um, an analysis, uh, uh, environmental study on it. And then we, we, we do a dig to see if there's any of our remains and we do a historical study. Then they give us a permit. And then, and then, so we, so we, we already had in place a, a lot of things that, that were going to start helping us push forward to stopping um, this, this uh, pipeline. Well, it sounds like the studies that you've done make a, a complete counter case to the project. So, I mean, usually the conflict is, oh, but it's going to be so economically viable and create jobs and minimally impact the environment. But your study shows not only does it not make economic sense, especially now, but it's actually going to do devastating ecological damage. Like, not just a little bit, not just tiny things that you can mitigate, but actually substantive damage. I mean, I'm assuming all of this information has been presented both to the federal and provincial governments and even the proponent. Yeah, well, how it starts with the National Energy Board it's funny because when I started this and we first went to the National Energy Board, we found that they never, ever denied a pipeline application. And and, and get this, they, they were basing their work and, and some of their environmental um, policies based on the 50s, 1950. Um, the original pipeline was built in 1950. At that time, as you know, we couldn't even speak to a lawyer at mm -hmm. that time. And so, so you know, it was it was ridiculous. National Energy Board, and then they're so biased. They 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 yeah. thought they could run run around. I, I remember the Stephen Kelly, he put in twenty percent of Kinder Morgan's application on behalf of Kinder Morgan, then was hired by the National Energy Board, and three others were hired the same way. And then and then we said, hey, you know what? We're calling you on this. This is wrong. You can't do this. And they said, oh no no, oh okay, we'll fix it. Then they created this advisory committee. Then they hired former employee of um, Kinder Morgan, um, Kim Baird, who used to who used to be chief at Tobasan, but she used to work for Kim Borden. She goes, look, we've hired a First Nation, and and, uh, and uh, we're creating this advisory committee. We came out right away and said, you can't unscramble an egg. And get this, I explained our uh, twelve hundred page assessment and all the studies that we did. Our presentation to the National Energy Board was like I think two hours. What? Two hours, and I, and I was like, "With your, we're like, you're crazy with your best scientists. And that's what we work with, world-renowned scientists, world-renowned economists. And, and we, we did our, you know, with their best people, they couldn't figure out what we had in, 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 in two days, in less, not, not 40 minutes to two hours. So it was, it was ridiculous the way they had it set up and the way that they pushed this forward. And um, I remember them that they'd start to complain and say, We're, we went through the most stringent process, <laughs> any pipeline application more than any other in Canada. And I said, damn right. And now we're going to make all the rest of do that too, because it was, they're based on, on old, old practices that, that are unacceptable now. 
which they would literally just rubber stamp were it not for the interventions of First Nations like yourself demanding better. I mean, it's always been pretty much a rubber stamp process if you're in a scenario where the NEB has never declined a pipeline application. I mean, how, how can that be? I mean, the statistics alone really challenge whether or not it was you know, at all neutral and unbiased. And, you know, one of the court cases that I had read and I did a YouTube video on it was kind of analyzing, you know, the case that talked about the really poor consultations that they did. And, you know, as I was reading the case, not only was I angry about it because of the impact on your nations, but it read literally step by step for all of the terrible consultations that are done in all the other First Nations that I work with. I mean, they sit down, they take notes, you know, they, they hear what you have to say and they go away. Like, in no way is that consultation, you know, slamming down studies or, you know, saying here's what we're going to do and then walking away. That's not consultation. And the other thing that really upsets me about, you know, Trans Mountain and your situation is not only are they stuck in like 1950s procedures, but they're also stuck in 1950s law. It's no longer about consultation. It's about consent. And they haven't, they haven't oriented themselves that way. And like, I'm wondering what you think about that whole process. Surely throughout this process, you must have been saying, look, we govern our territories. We're the ones who issue permits. We're the ones who decide. Well, back then, their, their, their ignorance helped us to win. We did. We... We, we said we'll go to court, but we did a whole bunch of things in between, too. Um, I'm going to share a good story, okay? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we went, we, we, we split up our work. Um, I work with amazing policy analysis people in our office, Erin um, mm. and her team, and, and um, my, my, my cousin, his Ernie George Bones, his, he's the um, director, but now he's the CEO for Tislewitan. Um, um, our lawyers um, from Gowlings were just great, but um, we we did other things too. Um, went to international banks. My son went and um, and got them to divest out. Uh, went to the insurance companies. My my cousin's sister Charlene, she she got went to international insurance agencies in Europe and got them to divest out. And um, we went to Wall Street. Um, talked to ten billion dollars of the. $350 billion company, we said, you know what? People are dying and people are going to die. And they're like, this is crazy. They said, can we, can you, can you represent us as a proxy at the Kinder Morgan AGM? And we're like, yeah. And with some help with another organization, um, we said, when? And they said, tomorrow. And then they called me and they said, um, can you, do you want to do this? And I, and I said a prayer. I said, I want to debate, debate Richard Kinder. And, um, and then they, I said, they called me from New York and they said, can you go to Texas? And I said, sure, I'd love to. And I said, when? Well, we're booking your flight now. Get to the airport now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, so we rushed there and I rushed there and, um, and uh, got, got to give her a presentation of what we're talking about, our 1200 page assessment. I handed it to Richard Kinder um, and told them, told them exactly what's going to happen. And, and at that time, and this is what I'm leading into your question about going into court and um I, I explained it, you know, our assessment and, and, and he said, well, he knew everything about me. He goes, Ruben, we're, we're trying to talk to you. We're, we're trying to sit down with you. We're trying to consult with you. 
and your nation and and um and your chief we've been calling regularly and and i i i, I said you know it's not our duty and responsibility to talk to you i said you're a company that's all you are you're just a company mm -hmm. i said canada didn't consult us on this and so we're going to sue them and that's how we're going to stop you and he lost it he started yelling he said get out in front of all his shareholders he no. said get out get out go talk to canada leave and I turned around because I was sitting right in front, right in front of him. And I turned around and I looked at all the shareholders and I was like, you know, I, I said, I said, if I was wrong, he wouldn't be mad. He's mad because I'm right. And his plan with your money. I said, make, make, make good choices with your money. Make smart choices with your money because this is not going to happen. I was happy to see three months to the day, $350 billion company, three months of the day that, um, I spoke there, their stock fell by 60%. Their dividends were cut by 74%. It, wow. was, it was awesome. And then and then we did go to court. And um that was that was really good too. Um Federal Court of Appeal, um, with uh five it was six nations and I think it was four NGOs or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um the NGOs didn't win in the government and the city in the in the province tried to sue as well. They didn't win, but all six First Nations. I don't know if you remember that in 2018, they said we squashed, quashed it. Yeah, and then they, they applied to Supreme Court and then they were denied. And so it was, um, it was, it was good. <laughs> it, well, that is good. And I think you're bringing up a really good point because for people that are, you know, engaged in the struggle and we have been since birth, essentially, you know, we're just engaging it in different ways. But those who are like really active on the advocacy side and it takes a lot of work and sometimes it can just seem to our young people that it's just a constant battle and, you know, we're always losing. But in fact, you just reminded us, you know, we do have victories. We are winning along the way and the fact that you had banks divest you know that that's a significant victory or to have an insurance company divest or to be able just to engage with shareholders and or or cause enough of a fuss that stocks drop all of those things are victories they might not be in the immediate moment but they have long lasting cumulative kind of like snowball effects and so that's You've been winning all the way along. Yeah, and, and it was it was um, West Coast Environmental Law. They they work with another law firm that works with us. Um, Eugene Kung is um, a good good brother and good friend. Um, but he's a lawyer for them. And but his we've been a lot of these a lot of this is part of his work. And and uh, yeah, it's it's exciting and and because um, it comes far in between. It feels like when you're doing a you know, I never never expected to do like ten years of my life to to stop in a pipeline. You know, but we we have so far. We we delayed it this long. You know, and um, a dogwood they they just did a, a, a survey saying um, if the pipeline costs seven million, what they expected do you, do you, do you, do you approve of this to to the general public? They're asking, and they're they're saying yes. What about what about it's nine million. What about eleven million? And it keeps going up. And the, but the number supporting was less and less, and it got to fourteen million, and eighty percent wouldn't support it. But it didn't go to sixteen million. About how much? Sixteen billion. I sorry. Yeah. It didn't go that high because they didn't expect it to go that high. But it was eighty percent wouldn't support it. So that was another thing that we had to do is is is, is um because they they were trying really hard to push 
push over the the moral fight. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter. We just have to stick with our law and do what we're going to have to do. But sometimes, you know, we, you know, we we with the, the elders said, let's let's educate people, and we did. And like I think Burnaby residents properly educated on on the on who it services and the destruction it causes. They, they agreed with us. Seventy one percent supported Tuskegee and suing for not consulting us. So um, we did tons of work on public outreach and like you said, all these other things. And mm-hmm. But the victories came far in between. And, um, you know, we're, we hit a rough spot right now, especially with COVID happening, you know, it's, they continue to work they continue to force us into court and where all other court systems are shut down. And so it's, it's a, it's, it's, it can be disheartening, but we for sure celebrate the good things we do. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, if you even just look at the state of the nation just before COVID, I mean, we were engaged in nationwide protests, you know, about another pipeline that was actually a brand new pipeline going through Wet'suwet'en territory. And, you know, when you think about it, it wasn't just that. You think of all the railways that go through um, Haudenosaunee territory or all of the fishing that's done in Mi'kmaq territory. It really resonates with everyone what's happening in our territories. The problem with COVID is that it kind of distracted people and I wanted to kind of get people back to that because there's a real impact. So I I wonder if you can talk a little bit more about what's the worst case scenario about what can happen if indeed this Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion does go through and you know the worst critical failures happen, which has happened in many, many, many scenarios, you know, whether you're talking about oil rigs or barges or pipelines, it's not if, but it's when, and we know it does happen. What would happen in your territory? Well, Exxon Valdez is is almost half the size of the proposed tanks that they want to bring through our traditional territory, and that's right through Vancouver. And um, it's, 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 you know, almost 30 years later, it's, it's still dead there. And 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 you look at the Gulf of Mexico; it's dead there. Anywhere where they build a port, the water dies. That's a fact. But when a spill happens, those are irreversible things that will happen. Will affect it in a devastating way. As as you know, Vancouver mm-hmm. is consistently voted in the top top three yeah. best places to live in in the world. And and um, you know that how we depend on tourism, like. That's one thing about Vancouver people and how they how majority seem to support is, you know, it's raining. It doesn't matter. Go out hiking, kayaking, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, what people like, and that's that's how we are. And but it's such a beautiful place, you know. Um, when when I was a kid, you know, we we actually did a documentary on on this quote exactly. He said when when the tide went out, the table was set. And the, t- the documentary was called "When the Tide Goes Out." Um. Uh, you know, I just had the opportunity to, to go to our neighbor's nation, um, Semiamu, which is the tide goes out for like a kilometer, maybe two, probably two. And, um, you know, when you walk out there, you can get these huge, I swear to God, they're this big um, um, clams. Um, wow. And and we were digging them up and we got about 200 clams each. And I walked out and there's literally um, 10 Dungeness crab I caught. They're all female, so I couldn't take any. But they're huge. I caught 10 of them and, and it's just big, beautiful, smiling the whole time because it was beautiful, beautiful memories of what that used to be like in the shores of, of um, North Vancouver, across from Vancouver when I was a kid. And um, since then, um, 
back when I was a kid, also every stream used to have running running water and with with salmon and trout in it, and mm -hmm. it was so it was abundant. So what we've been doing is revitalizing that. The first time in thirty five years we with we did a clam harvest because we've been cleaning our inlet with with little resources and a couple of allies. We um brought our salmon count from six thousand our main river our main river from six thousand to over five million a year. Wow, that's we, incredible. We did I know, right? We did, and that was old. Some of it was old, just techniques of creating salmon beds of what our ancestors used to do. Most of it, you know, fixing the waterfalls. And, and then we, um, we did elk reintroduction back into our traditional territory and brought back um, uh, grizzly bears and wolves and started completing that ecosystem. So we, because we, our elders, they said, what do you want? We're, we're starting to finally bring in some resources. What do you want? They said, they said we want our kids to experience what we experienced. Mm -hmm. And and um, it's such a beautiful thing, you know, how smiling year to year, walking out there in Semiamu territory, catching Dungeness crab and, and clams and guiadocs. And it was such a beautiful, that's what we want our kids to experience. So so we're, we're fixing that, and, but there's much more at risk. And that's lives, you know. My my mom, she's, you know, and I work for Tisleotu Nation, so I, I can't do civil disobedience and things like that because we're going to court. Mm -hmm. To slay with you, members, they could do what they want. My son, my mom, my cousin. <laughs> my mom was arrested three times. Oh my goodness! <laughs> a little warrior. She she changed herself to um the Kinder Morgan fence and said nobody's going to work today. But she says this often. She goes. She says, you know, I have nowhere to go. Why would I leave my land? I said, you know, a lot, a lot of nations across the country were moved off their land. We never ever left to slay with the land. Never. And she goes, I don't know anything else, and I wouldn't go anywhere else. And so I think, you know, 87% chance of a spill, my mom's not leaving. Within hours, just hours, people will be sick. Mm -hmm. Within hours, you know, 500,000 birds would die. And that's just the beginning. You know, you, you, can't, you can't fix it. At the best, they could clean up 20%. You know, between the straits, they have a four-hour window during low tide that these huge ships could go under both Sekinaro's Bridge and Lionsgate Bridge from from um, where the terminal is it goes it has to go through the city you know and it's 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 um you know I talked to one of the tugboat operators and they said if you if you you know mention my name I just hear lying and they, they're not you know but he said that if there's a, a mistake that happens we only have 30 seconds to correct it between those two streets where those bridges are you know, so it's in our own studies explain the spill analysis. If you want to take a closer look at it, sacredtrust.com. Um, you could look at our, our, our twelve hundred page assessment, our spill analysis and our clean analysis. And they're 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 not even prepared. And we've seen that in two thousand seven or no, two thousand eight, when a spill happened and they didn't know where to go, they didn't know what to do. And um we with spills started going into the inlet and they, they didn't know where it would go. So um our team, our, our Treaty Lands and Resource team, they went to one of our oldest elders who knows the water, like the back of his hand, and just knows it. And he, he said, they said, where's this oil going? He goes, well, get a map. And he pulled a map out. And he said, where did the oil go in? He said, when did the tide go out? When is this, when's it coming back? And then they said, okay, the oil's right here. 
and they, they went right there and that's where the oil was and they started cleaning and that's my, our nation and you know and, and they and how the accident happened is is their outdated maps of where the pipeline is they they gave okay to a construction company to build and they hit a pipeline you know it's it's um and like as you say they happen all the time mm-hmm. all the time and um it's 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 something that we know that we can't risk especially when my mom's not the only elder that says this is all i know you know the, our uh, i remember when when um when i'd be convincing our, our members they said you can't beat him you can't beat him and i said well you know what we're to slay with it yeah, that, that wins it because they'd be like, "Okay, you're right." Well, that we're we're people of the water. That's what that means, people of the water, right around Vancouver, because that's our first mother, and that's how it always went an argument, you know. And you know, and 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 I have to say this too, because when it gets discouraging like this, and we think of this, and we think of our mother, um, the driving force behind what we do is our culture and our spirituality. Even some of our members don't practice it. They respect it, and they'll come witness it. And 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 um, everything that we do around this, we we do ceremony. We you know our elders came in and from other communities and the elders at home said, you know, you 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 got to bless the 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 um f- the frontline workers are modern warriors. So it's me and our staff. And they said the closest thing we have to God, they brought in and they they blessed us all. You know, and and um, it was, but everything that we do, even when we go to court, our our, our national energy board, we, we we say, well, you know what, we got to cleanse this room. If we're talking about our law, our law is essentially the our culture and our spirituality, and we have to create this to be a holy place so we could explain to you who we are. Mm-hmm. And that was difficult too, because I remember in the very beginning, the elders said, okay, you have to explain who we are, and I was like, how could I explain our reciprocal connection of spirit to the lands and waters. How can I explain that to people who don't even understand that they carry a spirit within side of themselves, that, that, don't, that don't understand that a love and connection that they have with the people they love, that love is actually a spirit. You know, they, they, they don't understand that. And I said, how could we explain that? And, and so we, we, we did, though. We, 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 we did our assessment and we made them look at it. They had to look at it. But the devastating effects, we... we, we, we we knew, and we did too much, and we love it too much. It's the spiritual connection lands and waters. When I was a kid, like I said, we'd go clamming and crabbing. And then later in life, we did ceremony in, in the water. Mm-hmm. We still continue to do ceremony in the water. So it's a spiritual connection that we love and that we protect. And, 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 and that's why you know, I'd do anything to protect my kids. We all would. And and I would do anything to protect what I love, and that's the land and the water. Well, it's from whence you came, you know, time immemorial. It's all of our right. connections. That's, everything about us is attached to the land. And, you know, when, you know, provincial premiers make flip comments about just move or jobs are more important or, oh, you're all just professional protesting as if, somehow that's a job that any of us want to be engaged in they yeah. re- they're really miseducating the public and what i like about what you have done and all the other first nations that you're working with is that you really reach out to the public and it's about public education you know here's the issue here's our law here's what we're trying to protect and we're protecting it for everybody because nobody wants a oil soaked 
contaminated BC. And, and that's a really hard go when you're competing with all of the money behind the fossil fuel industry. Um, you know, as you know, they have all the money for ads, they have all the money and all the influence with politicians, they go back and forth, they work for one another, and that's really hard to compete with. But I think the story that you've been telling has been very compelling. I mean, remember when the world's attention was captured on the southern resident killer whales and that poor, you know, mother killer whale holding up her deceased baby for weeks. I mean, that's literally how everybody's feeling about what will happen with these pipelines. We'll have more and more, because it's actually deaths, you know, when insects and birds and fish and animals and, you know, people suffer and die, that these are, these are life and death. This is so much more than about jobs and or even the kinds of jobs when we could be having the conversation like you talked about at the beginning of this interview what about green and sustainable jobs why can't we transition we have reasonable alternatives but they keep making unreasonable decisions and i'm wondering what you think about the united nations declaration on the rights of indigenous peoples about how much that has influenced or not what's happening in bc because as you know bc has now passed i think it's bill 43 requiring that all of its laws uh, come into compliance with the United Nations Declaration. And Canada has professed its commitment mm -hmm. to respecting UNDRIP, but we don't see any different decisions when it comes to pipelines. Has it, has it made any difference for you on the ground in this struggle? You know, I, I think of a couple things when that comes up. I talked to um, a really good elder and good friend of mine who really helps and mentors me a lot is uh, Gujal from Haidegwai. And um, they, they, they made a, an, an, an agreement with with them and, and it was it was like about land and title, but it turned out to be weak anyway because they do what they want anyway. So my, my idea around that is, is, you know, over on this side, we've been winning 90% of our court cases. That's mm -hmm. over 250 court cases on, in, the, in the last four years. Um, so, we're, you know, I think they needed some sort of mechanism that could try to help them and and um and you know I, I you know one of one of my friends that helped write it they said you know it's it's good that they want to do that that's a weak starting point though because you know look how far we come look what we're doing look look at the victories that we have so you know it's i i haven't seen um where 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 it puts us at the table as as, as somebody equal without having to fight Mm -hmm. If there's 200 legal victories and, and, and we're winning 90% of them in four years and we spend millions of dollars of fighting this, uh, you know, I can't imagine how much they spend, but they, they, they're stubborn because we're, we're, st we're still coming up and we're still having to argue everything. You know, it's, 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 it's blatant racism, some, some mm -hmm. things, because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to look into this, but there's a new law, like, of course, we lease some of Orlando, but look, one of one of the biggest economic ways that people have to move forward, as as anywhere around the world economically, is to is to obtain and to sell land. We can't even sell land, and we have these hundred year ridiculous leases that you know that they cut down to fifty years. That's I'm trying to look into and trying to find that, but that's 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 wrong, and that just happened like a couple months ago, and so we're we're. You know, we're looking into that to see see where that is, but they, they can't create changes like that. And they try to sneak these things in, and it's and it's unacceptable. You know, one one thing that I think of that I was working on with my uncle Len before he passed is 
We did a 1200 page assessment. We did a spill analysis. We did a clean analysis. We did economic study. We just finished an air quality study, all just on this. And that contributed by our referral system, our, our GIS mapping and, and, and surveys and all, all these things were, 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 were one department. But it was all based on Tisleewati Nation law. So what we, what we wanted to was also directed to, to um, ministry, children, families, education, police, court. In a lot of these areas, Tisleewati Nation already, we have protocol agreements of what they can and can't do in our nation. Like, for example, ministry, children, families, they can't come on our land and try to obtain a kid without talking to, back then, a director, and that was me, or, or, or one of the leadership. We, we, we created these protocol agreements, RCMP, same thing. But we, we, we have to continue it, though, because I still volunteer downtown Eastside Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It's 40% of the homeless are our people. We're only 5% of Canada's population. You know, the education system, 40% are, are, are dropout. The GL population is 40%. Mm-hmm. It's all tied in and, and directly affected by um, colonization, but it's still affected by things that are still happening today. I don't know how it is now because it's been over 10 years since I was director, but when you live off reserve, you get like $250 to $1,200 a month on social assistance. When you live on reserve, you get $120. That's that's given enough to fill. So whenever when people say, you know, you don't pay tax, you don't do this. We get far less money. Yeah. We get far less money when it comes down to it. And, and so what we are going to create is a government bottle that will address all these things. And so what we do is, is create a legal document and, and go to the education system. Hey, you know what? You're in our territory, abide by our law. Change mm-hmm. and fix it because you're failing. And, and there's 500, uh, 5,000 students um, and that are that are in elementary school in in Vancouver. That's nine thousand per student. That'd be enough to open up our school and have additional what forty forty million dollars to to pay into that program to 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 learn traditionally. I, I know for a fact that um, when when children who have speech impediments speak their own language, they don't. As a, a teacher who's teaching scientists science um, in, in in high school, eighty percent of the kids are failing. When he changed his whole curriculum to to his to Navajo, which he was, which he is, um, everything of his lesson was 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 Navajo theme. Within within six months, eighty percent were passing. Wow. When we when we do it our way, and when we do and when we see what's best for us, we have success. Mm-hmm. And what they're still doing, what the government managed to do, is suppress. So if we created a government system, we'd say, you know what, this is our law. Screw you. Go by our law. We'll sue you. Mm-hmm. And that was the mechanism that we could do that, and and um, I hope I hope we um, follow up and do that because it's you know there's there's so much more that we could do with this victory because if we're if we're having a victory and it's around around our land we can't forget our people mm-hmm. if we're moving forward economically because of our victories and we're showing our strength and our, and we're creating negotiating skills we can't forget our people mm-hmm. we have to raise our people up because. You know, I still volunteer in the prisons and I still volunteer in the men's treatment center. And those are our people that are directly affected by colonization, but they're still affected not by colonization, but what is going on today. And that's what we have to change is the system. And we're starting with land and water. And, and I think, you know, when people are standing up and they're saying, you know what, that's enough. Like, I don't know more. That's enough. Mm-hmm. People stand up and say, yeah, let's let's stand up for we suit. But it's standing up for ourselves. 
yeah. spirit of who we are and what we need to do to feel that we need our, to be recognized in our own lands and waters and and but we're, we're that we're, we're we're we should be at the table too of of seeing what's best for us mm-hmm. and if we go by our governing laws which is our laws of our culture and our spirituality everybody's going to benefit from it mm-hmm. like it is right in the court fighting the pipelines everybody I, we talked to trudeau in his cabinet and you know my son got to say this directly to him he said you know because you're incapable of making choices for your future generations i am he said you're a liar and you're a week leader that's who you are my son said that to him at a fundraiser and called him out and it's true they you know everyone will benefit from better choices and see a better way and mm-hmm. you know it's we're a fractured community and we're hurting community and I'm, I'm hurting an individual I, I it's still on my healing path you know the traumas come up all the time because of colonization but you know spirit spirit helps and that's what we need to incorporate it is the values of of who we are as indigenous people and that's what that's what i really pray for and that's what i really hope for there well i mean it, no I, those are probably the most important and fundamental messages that you could share with you know all, all of our listeners and and everyone in canada in fact that you know, right now we're using Canada's laws, whatever they are, to try to dismantle their protests or fights against us. But our laws is where we get all of our strength that, in fact, um, the ability to govern our territories, govern ourselves according to our own laws and, and ceremonies and, and all of that is what is revitalizing us, is what is where all of our strength is coming from. And I, I think you're you've got it right. It's not just about success in defending our territories from pipelines. You know, we show people that our laws and governing systems, if we, if we can do that, we can also, you know, do our own education, our own health care, our own justice system, like all of it, and revitalize all our nations to what they were and what they can be and really give hope for our, our future generations. And I think that's a really inspiring message. And and I'm wondering, like, just before we go, if you have any any calls to action, is there any way that other First Nations people like myself or Canadian allies can support um, your fight against a trans mountain? I think you mentioned a website earlier, the, was it the Tooth Sacred Trust? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if they go to that website, can they find ways to support your your cause? Yeah, yeah, and 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 there, you know, I right now that what we're doing is 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 like your work right here. We we you know more than ever, I think people are on Facebook or they're on, they're on social media and whatever it might be. So this this is really important. Um, and I'm putting together a meeting that's going to happen um Thursday or Friday, and I called a meeting just before COVID happened. Um, I invited forty allies. They showed up, um, eighty people all together, and. And um, we, we said, okay, let's be innovative. Let's 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 try to. But now we're calling another meeting where we have to be innovative again because they haven't stopped working. Mm-hmm. They're not going to stop working. You know, a uh, quick backgrounder. We went to the federal court of appeal. We 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 won. Um, they did their consultation again. It was it was more screwy than the first time. So we went to federal court of appeal and we lost in February. We appealed to Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. They denied our, our appeal, so we were appealing that denial. And um, so it's 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 um it's 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 ridiculous that we 
continue to have to fight and struggle to get our message across. But how, how we could support is, is just as much as we can come, come online. Cause mm -hmm. we, that's what we could do right now. But when this is over, you know, it's going to bust wide open. Even, even I, my son and my mom have been working on things, you know, me, me going to court, there's, um, I can't do civil disobedient actions, but my mom and son were, um, they're, they're getting ramped up and, and, um, getting ready to move forward. And, and, um, when, when this is over, just like Jason Kenny from the Alberta premier said, we saw it is just a warm up to TMX. <laughs> yeah. And so, so on, on sacredtrust.com, um, um, we'll we'll follow up with um, what's going to happen over out of our meeting. We work with, like I said, forty allies. Okay. Um, you know the Tiny House Warriors and mm -hmm. Candy Goose, the Manuel family. By the that's uh, George Manuel's uh, granddaughter, Art Manuel's daughter, and 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 actually they were friends with um, my grandfather was friends with and Uncle Bob were friends with George Manuel, and my mom and Art were friends, and 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 uh, his sisters mainly though. And then here we are working with Kenny Hoose. So it's mm -hmm. three generations of the Manuel and Georges working together to protect our yeah. lands, waters, and people. You know, and, and, and you know, whatever it might be in your territory, you know, what they told us, you know, my own nation, my own people, some some way back in the day, they said, you can't beat it. British Columbia, Christy Clark said, you can't beat it. Back then it was, um, it was um, Harper. Mm. He, he said, we're going to push it forward. Alberta said, they're going to push it forward. And, and, and it just started with a handful of us. And we said, you know what? No way. Mm -hmm. Not happening. Then my nation got aboard and the province got aboard and went to United Nations. We did all those things that we talked about in this la last hour. Of, and, it, and, it's, and it just started with just a couple of us. So whatever people, if they find it with inside of themselves, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it or you can't stop it or you, it's too big of a problem. There, there's always a way. Mm -hmm. there's, was always always a way and I said get that passion with inside of yourself to to do something because I was comfortable in my career I was successful in my career you know and in the work that I was doing and I switched 100% completely um, and went into into this environmental work of, of being of protecting what we love and um, I encourage people to do that and, and if you get into it really mm -hmm. really really have something that you could lean back on like you know I do my winter ceremonies every single day in the winter. I, I do, and then I, I do my summer sweat lodges and, and you know Sundance in the, in the summertime. So I'm in ceremony every single day, and um, that, that's I, I need it because I think I'd go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, you know, make sure when you when you get into this that you really take care of yourself, and because it's a long haul, when, you mm -hmm. know, there's. Something's screwy in your territory right now because it's happening right across Canada. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I stand in solidarity with any nation, any people that are that are land defenders. Well, well, thank you, Ruben, for everything that you're doing, for inspiring the rest of us, and for showing us that we can be successful. I mean, us being here is a success. They they did everything they could to try to commit the ultimate genocide against Indigenous peoples all over Turtle Island, and we fought and we resisted, and we're still here, and that was because of our connections to our territories and our laws and one another. So thank you. I, I really appreciate it, and Thank you to all of our Warrior Life podcast listeners who truly believe in our motto that this 
what we do is education for action. When we do podcasts and YouTube videos and writing, this isn't for entertainment purposes. This is so that you know more, so you can go out and take action and support one another. And what I'll do is I'll post a link to the Tsleil-Waututh Nation Sacred Trust Initiative so that you can find ways to support um, the Tsleil-Waututh and all the nations involved in this struggle. And if you like this episode, please consider sharing it, not just for the sake of sharing it, but share it with social justice activists and allies and, and people you think could have a lot of influence and help because we really literally need everyone's help in all of these causes. And don't forget, we also have a new podcast. It's a warrior kids podcast to start keep teaching kids young from all backgrounds about the importance of social justice, native rights and earth justice and how they all work together to save all of the peoples and animals and, and the entire planet. And I think that's really important. It's really about inspiring all Canadians to take, you know, youth uh, to take youth and, and understand that they're the leaders of today, not the future, but we need to listen to them um, and, and, of course, our elders. And you can access all of this content on my website. It's www.pampometer.com. And from there, you can follow all of the other social media. But the key is take action, follow up. Find a way to support the Tsleil-Waututh and the Wet'suwet'en and um, all of the nations across the country who are engaged in acts to protect all of us from destruction. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. Walaliag.